I was at a church service, and the pastor said, um, and I, I know sometimes we judge church services. We say, oh, that was a good service. Oh, maybe that wasn't that good. The guy said, the pastor said, the church service that you're in right now is the best one you've ever been in. Thanks, Sean and Teresa. Uh, uh, I, uh, I, I want to share a little bit about m my wife, just give you updates so you can keep praying. We were in the room with an oncologist and a clinical nurse and then a student doctor and, and uh, they're asking, Jan's asking a bunch of questions. She's got her notebook and everything. She's right, asking all the questions and they're talking back. And I said, you know, we used to get seven liters of fluid out of my wife and now they're down to three tablespoons. I mean, it's a different place, different place. One was abdomen and it's in the back. I said, now, can you tell me if that's something we need to be happy about? And they said, yes. And they were jumping up and dancing around. Ah, uh, yeah. And then they, you know, they, suge they suggested, because they were having trouble with the needles, to put in a, uh, a port. A port. And uh, we were wondering about that. And I... I believe, um, yeah, Heather mentioned that to me. I was talking to my sister or, or someone who's a nurse and says, have they considered a port? Well, I considered that confirmation. So we're getting a port. And the other thing, the other thing that was incredible, uh, we've had for the latest chemos, and this is the clinical thing where you might get the drug, you might not. And, you know, you might say, well, geez, why, why don't you just trust in God? But when she gets healed, look at all the people we're going to be able to tell. The Muslim oncologist that we deal with who's a treasure. Always telling Jen she needs to meditate. She says, well, I do. It, it was, it was, it was, it was glorious. And, and she lays her on the table and she says, well, let's see if I can, uh, where's the tumor? We've got to look for the tumor. So she's trying to find the tumor and she can't find it. Jan has to show her where it is because it's a lot smaller than what it was. Yeah. So we're going with this. It, it's, yeah, and it's a struggle sometimes, but we're moving on. So praise you. Keep praying. God is God's doing stuff. And then something else that, that happened. Uh, I got a, um, a native lady came to my door. Actually, a good friend. The, the daughter of a mother who I was really close to who's passed away. And she had on a note said, Uncle Spider, could you call me? Steve's Uncle Steve. Um, I guess I'm Uncle Spider. So I called her and she says, I was wondering if you could say a few prayers at my mother's graveside. And she, and she said, my mother always liked rosary prayers. And I said, well, 
I don't do rosary, but I can pray. Which is, oh, that's great, that's great. So the first thing that came into my head was the, the Lord bless you and keep you. So I'm taking that as confirmation because we sang it today. And I've been talking to myself and God about that and, and what he'll do and transpire out of that. So pray for, I, I'm going to have to sneak out a little early. So if you see me sneaking out, it's not because I'm backsliding. I'm, I'm going to be at a graveside. Um, and she was, a, she was a precious, precious lady. Her name was Rose Peters. And my, my friend and his wife here today. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to give him all the time. Is that okay? Because he has a word for us. And remember... This is the best service you've ever been in. Um, I just felt like when I came in today, just I was like outside in the parking lot, and I was just coming in the doors, and there was just a, a hum, a buzz of people talking and chattering and laughter and joy. It just felt like God, you know, was here and we were having a party. You know, it was just like we were having a party. It wasn't like an obligation. It was a joy. And I just feel like that's today for us. It's a joy to be in the house of the Lord and fellowshipping amongst the believers of the body of Christ in the kingdom of God in this place right now. Um, and another thing, you know, I, I, I don't want to step out of a line here, but I just felt like Suzanne had just something to share from Tammy's uh, uh, worship and leadership service that uh, Suzanne was at. And I don't know, if Suzanne, if that's a confirmation or not, that you have just something short to just bring forward. But I just feel like God is speaking to us in so many different places right now that we need to hear what the Lord is speaking. We've got another wonderful speaker here as well. And we've got Pastor Bruce and we've got the body can just giving of itself. Sean and Teresa, you guys were amazing. And there is just an impartation that God wants to put in us that we can take to the, you know, to the needy dying world. So are you referring to the Guatemala thing? Is that what it is? Oh, well then, how would you know? Yeah, I did worship with another lady from Burnaby yesterday. And as I look back on the day, God brought some healing. I still need lots more. Um, but people that didn't know anything about me just prayed and prophesied into my life. But one speaker that was there, he had, I don't know, I can't remember now, he, there's, there were so many words in that, but he had been on the streets, I think, on cocaine, got saved, and the pastor said, oh, this is who you are. And the pastor said to him, I will never leave you on this journey. And when you can't go, I will go ahead of you, and I will pull you forward. And he has now been preaching for 30 years, and now he's ministering around the world. So he was sharing how he went to Guatemala and they met with the president. I think it's a president over there. And Guatemala has said, 
no abortion, no LGBT, and there was a third which Sue said was euthanasia. So three things they will not do. The UN came to them and said, we will not give you funding anymore. You need to change that. And the president said, nope, not changing it. The US, I know, the US went to them and threatened them as well. I don't know what's happened with that. The UN has recounted and I think they're still giving them some funding. Um, and then he said there's 32 other countries who have adopted the same policy or whatever. And I think it's all in that Central or South America area or whatever else. So it just gives real hope that one day maybe Canada can say, guess what? Because we were built on the word of God, right? That he would have dominion from sea to sea. That we will not honor abortion. We will not honor the LGBTQ SOGI agenda and euthanasia. So that was a real encouragement to me. No, no, no. <laughs> I was going to say thanks, David. Thanks, David. Inside joke. Inside joke. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can remind him. You can remind him. Um, the reason we're here this morning, and it's really good to be home, uh, last week, um, I felt the Father laid a word in my heart, and uh, so I called Sue, and I said, Sue, this is what I'm hearing, and we chatted for a while at about eight in the morning, and uh, kind of discerned in our heart that last week wasn't the week to come, today was, and so uh, I'm just going to share a few things. So this morning, more than a word, I want to give you um, myself and what God is doing in me. And what I'm learning in the body of Christ is that um, we, as people, are more important than the work God has us do. It always starts, sometimes we want, what's the great cause, what's the great work of God, and therefore I want to be a part of that, or I'll align myself to that, or I'll agree to that. But what we find in the scripture is that the Father always looks for a person, men and women like, like us. And he does a work in us to bring us to the place where then he gives us our assignment or perhaps, and it might be an assignment for a, a career or j just for a prayer or something, whatever it is that he asks us to do. But he always comes to us and he first asks us, do I have you? If I have you, then whatever I ask you to do, I know will we'll get done. And that's present all the way from, Rev from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so the work that God does isn't the work that we see him and we desire for him to do in the earth. It's the work that he does in us to get us to the place that he wants us to be in order for then him to ask us what he's going to do. But I felt, I just want to share a couple of words um, that I just felt during worship that I, I just want to release. And so, Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you would, you would visit me, visit us individually today. That we would hear the sound of your heart and your love for us.
and that it would be released in us today for what you're doing in the earth. I ask that in Jesus' name. And Father, I ask that you would help me to only say the things you want me to say today, not to add anything to them, that your heart would be released among us and that we would hear that our hearts and our spirits would be sensitive to what you have for us today. In Jesus' name. I say that in my prayer. I only want to say what the Father is asking me to say is because he's been visiting me deeply. But just before I share a little bit about that, and we're going to turn in our Bibles to John chapter 15. And, uh, but I just felt this. There, there's someone... There's some people here, maybe it's one person, maybe it's a few of you, I'm not sure, um, that the Father wants to remind you how deeply cherished you are. So there's three things. You are deeply cherished. He also wants you to know that there's more grace than you've been told. There's more grace than you've been told. And the third part of that word is, it's just the middle of the story. It's not over. It's just the middle of the story. So wherever you are, whatever you're in, the Father's letting you know this morning you are deeply cherished. There's more grace than you've been told. And it's the middle of the story. So, Father, we just ask that you'd seal that to us, to whoever that is that you're speaking to us about. Whatever situation that we might be in, that we would receive your word in your heart, that you would work that deeply within us. In Jesus' name. Sean, thank you for the worship. Um, you said something really important this morning. You said, you said um, it's my dream come true. You know, I'm worshiping with my wife, and, you know, and she's beautiful too. <laughs> And, uh, and I thought right away, isn't that the dream of the Father? Isn't that the dream of God? It's my dream come true. My kids, my wife, my, the, my, my, the one whom, whom I'm betrothed is worshiping with me. And she's beautiful. Can you imagine? Like that's how the Father looks at us? It's like when we're worshiping him, we're not trying to look beautiful. The fact that we're worshiping with him, he goes, oh, you're beautiful. This is a dream come true. This is everything I've ever wanted, is that you're worshiping beside me. That's it's an amazing thing. Did you know that, that Jesus in the earth worshiped? Of course, well, no, he was the one we worshiped. No, but actually, he worshiped his father. He gave adoration and acclaim and glory to his father. He said that anything that I do on the earth actually brings glory to my father. And I want to delight in doing that. You go, Jesus actually worshiped? He did. And then what his desire was, was that he would release that same love to everyone and that they would worship the father too. That's his dream. So Jesus is just going, wow, like this is a dream come true. We're worshiping together, side by side. And what did you say? It was 27 years or something? Yeah. There's 33 for Jesus. 
right? He goes, oh, this is the best thing in the, this is the best thing in the world. We're worshiping together to my father. It's such a different perspective that we have when we encounter God as a father. It's so different. I, um, it, I just want to read this portion of scripture, but then I'm going to just tell you quickly a little bit of a story of where the Lord has had me and what I'm sensing in this season. And then we'll kind of go from there. I felt, I felt like, I said, oh, I've got so much to share. I feel like I've got a fire hose in my hand and I just want to like crank it and go, you know. So um, we'll see if that happens. <laughs> but uh, this is a great church because there's no clock on the wall that counts down, down to zero, right? Not that you need that, right? I, I, long, I was saying to Sylvia the other day, I long for the, for the, for the um, for, you know, when people say, oh, what a good word. I don't want them, I want them to say, oh, you spoke for an hour and a half and it felt like five minutes. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best you could have. Um, so I just want to read some scripture this morning. So let's, let's turn in our Bibles or whatever you have, to John 15. Um, when I was growing up in church life, there was a banner written in the front of the church so that when you came in the back doors, you, we have things on the walls here, but they had on the wall in the front this huge banner. And in those days in the 70s, they had paper banners that they actually painted the letters on. And it, it simply said, it was Genesis 49, and it said, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Unto him. And every time you walked into that room, it was huge. It was one of those 40, 50-foot banners right across the, and as, as it was probably five feet. I guess it was four feet in those days. You know, the paper that you used to cover the tables in the banquet hall? You know, they would just do that. And it says, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And it was a reminder to us that we were here for him, not us. Just keep that in your mind. We're here for him, not us. We're here to fulfill his dream, not ours. What did Sean say? My dream came true we're worshiping the Father together. I've been waiting for this for 27 years. We're doing it together, and she's beautiful too. Imagine that now being the words of Christ when you gather in a place like this or wherever, and you worship, and you feel the presence of Jesus next to you, and he looks at you, with affection and goes, I've been waiting for this all my life that we would worship together the Father. It's so amazing. So amazing that the, the very last words that Jesus taught and shared to the disciples are a word that is coming to the body of Christ globally in this season. And it's important to, when we're trying to hear and understand what God is doing in this earth, we need to understand and recognize what he may be doing to us each individually, 
but also what he does to us individually is something that's happening globally because when God moves on the earth, he doesn't just move in Canada or United States. He moves globally. I remember my dad always telling me when we were growing up, for a word to be a true word of the Lord, it needs to be a true word of the Lord here in our city or in Pakistan. Can't be different or it won't be the word of the Lord. The, the gospel that's preached here can, has to be able to be preached in the dumps of Mozambique, or it's not the gospel. I never forgot that. He also said that when God speaks, he speaks like rain. He visits the earth with his voice, not just out of a spigot. So how do we determine false prophecy or false leaders? We go, they say, this is the word of the Lord, I have it alone, and you must listen to me or align to me. You go, well, I think if it's a word from the Lord, we're going to start hearing it everywhere, not just from you, because then we know it's about him, not about us. And it's the same thing for his desires in the earth. We have desires for Canada or United States, or we have desires for our town, we have desires for our family, but all of those desires still need to come under the, the great heart and voice and sound of God as he visits the earth. What is God's desire in the earth? The desires that Sylvia and I have for our kids, they need to be the same desires that someone in Mozambique has. The darkest places of Africa. It's the same heart of God everywhere because it's God. It's a powerful thing. He speaks like rain. And so what I'm, what I'm experiencing in my own life is I'm experiencing things, you know, and, and I'm, I'm not of fame. And I'm hearing God visit me and speak to me of things that, have you ever gone on YouTube? This is, this is what I've been doing lately. Go on YouTube and listen to a preacher and go, they sound just like me. You know, the word they're speaking is the word God is giving me. And you go, oh, well, who got it first? I think God got it first. <laughs> and he's visiting the earth. We all want, oh, God gave it to me first. I want you to quote me. I was, I was, <laughs> I'm spending a lot of time with leaders across the nation. And um, one of the younger men that I'm working with uh, was preaching, and I was watching him on, on uh, Facebook Live. And he was, he was saying things that we had talked about in our conversation. And the Lord goes, hey, did you notice? He never quoted you once. How are you with that? And I went, um, I'm good. <laughs> and he goes, I want you to be really good. And I said, I'm really good. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? So that when you give a word from the Lord, it, it, it looks and sounds like, I don't think Jesus is ever worried if you don't quote him. But if you sound like him, say the things he said. You know, I'm not a huge scholar, and sometimes, you know, people go, I, I, I walk with people that, boy, they, they've memorized the Bible twice. <laughs> they, they, they've memorized it in two translations. 
but it's not life to them because they don't know him. And there's something in the earth that God is visiting the earth in this season that I'm listening and I'm going, oh, it's the same sound. There's something happening over here. He's using the same verses. And, and, and the enemy wants to come in so quickly and, and, and make it not important to us. But have you noticed there's a brooding of God in the earth? There's a, there's a, there's a brooding. Of, I've noticed it this way. Um, there's a brooding of God in the earth, and, and I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, I said, I, I sense you brooding, Father. He goes, yes, and some are exp- saying that it's a, a brooding that has, is producing a frustration in people. You notice a lot of Christians have been frustrated lately? Oh, God, when? What I've learned in that, I said, God, when you brood, what happens? And he goes, remember in Genesis chapter 1 when the Holy Spirit brooded over the earth? What was I doing? You were creating something new that would satisfy you. Ah. He said, yeah, Steve, I'm brooding over the earth right now, and I want to create something that satisfies me. I went, oh. So, let's read the scriptures. John 15. Um, I'm going to read it out of this translation, the Passion Translation. I I grew up memorizing King James, and then I went to NIV, and then I went to the Message, and the New Living, and I've got a number of Bibles. But this particular one I just want to read out of this morning because it uses words that are important to hear. John 15. Father, we ask you bless the reading of your word. Verse 1, I am the true sprouting vine, and the farmer who tends the vine is my father. Now, it tells us something here. He's the true vine. That means there can be false vines. He says, I'm the true vine, by the way. Oh. So there can be false ones. He cares for the branches, verse 2, connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning them. Every fruitful branch... Uh, to yield a greater harvest. The words I have spoken to you have already cleansed you. So you must, verse 4, remain. In the King James, it uses abide. Do you know the word, what the word abide means? It says abide in me, remain in me. It means be, in, be continually aware of my presence. Be continually aware of my presence. And then it goes further. Be continually aware of my presence and that I hold you. Oh, that I'm held. Now that does something for me. But but as Sean said, it does something for him. I want you to know, remain in me, abide in me, and let my words abide in you. You must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit, so your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined with me. Most of our frustration is because we're we're fruitless. The Father said, remain in me. Be continually aware of my presence and that you're held. 
I think we spend a lot of time trying to be fruitful rather than spending time in his presence and being reminded how he holds us. That does more for him than the fruit. It's a powerful thing. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separate from me, you're powerless. I talk to a lot of leaders all over and they, they talk about burnout. And I say, oh, are you abiding? Or are you striving? Are you trying to produce fruit and it's not happening? Or are you abiding and continually aware of his presence and that you're held? I guarantee you burnout won't be a problem if you're continually reminded of, his, and the, of the awareness of his presence and that he holds you. It's a powerful thing. He goes on to say, this is my command. Not my suggestion. This is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. I'm going to scooch over to, um, where are we here? Verse 9. Let's just go back to verse 9. Verse 12 says, this is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. Now, how has he loved us? Verse 9 told us this. I love each of you with the same love the Father has for me. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, I went, what? What was that like? If I want to understand how he loves me, I want to understand how did Jesus love the Father and the Father loved Jesus? Because the same way that the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loved us. I want, I want to understand that. I don't want to just be told, love, love deeply. I want to know, how? How am I loved? And when I know how I'm loved, then I can love the way you loved Jesus couldn't on the earth love the world and love everyone if he didn't have an understanding of how the Father loved him. We forget that Jesus was a man, just like us. We forget that. We don't want him to be that way. We want him to be so perfectly with everything that he, he didn't need anything and that I'm going to try to be just like that. And he said, no, I'm not. I'm actually in spirit, one with the Father, but in flesh, uh, in the flesh and blood of Jesus, the man, I need to be in union with my Father every day. It's a, it's a powerful mystery. The Bible actually, we use these two, these two words. Have you heard these words before? I want to have intimacy with Christ. You know that intimacy, the word intimacy isn't a New Testament word. It's an Old Testament word, not a New Testament word. The New Testament word uses the word union. Union is, is more intimacy means I want you to be close to me. Like when Sylvia and I were dating, you know, we were close. But when we got married, we had a union. We became one. Now that's a mystery. But that's something that happens in us, that it was happened with Christ, that happens with us. It's an amazing thing. Um, I'm going to go over to 1 John chapter 4. I just want to share this because I don't want to spend too much time. I just I want to just share a couple of stories as well. 1 John chapter 4. 
verse 7. Those who are loved by God, let his love continually pour from you to one another, because God is love. Everyone who loves is fathered by God and experiences an intimate knowledge of him. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. So if you have an inability to love, that means you need to spend more time with the Father and with Jesus to learn how they loved so that you can actually love. It's hard to love everybody, isn't it? Can you, you know what, what, was, what was one of the things that Jesus said for us to do? Love your enemies? How's that working? Why would, why would we do that? That's crazy. Jesus said, oh, no, no. They won't know that I came from the Father unless you love them. If you love them, they'll know I'm true. Really? I thought it was by witnessing and telling them that if they didn't repent, they'd go to hell. He says, no, you tell them by loving them. That doesn't make sense. Come here, come and talk with me and let's go for a walk. It's an amazing thing. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live, have, live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. It was his love, not ours. I just want to share with you a little bit um, of what's been happening in my life. Um, every, every year I have a word from the Lord that guides my daily time with the Father. And this year, I asked the Father for a word from the Lord. And the word that he gave me was marked. Marked. M-A-R-K-E-D. Marked. And I said, marked by what? And I started to think of, because he didn't tell me the rest. And he said, marked. And I'm going, marked. How do I want to be marked? Oh, and I thought of some really good things. Things that I would like to be marked by. Marked by his presence. Marked by his goodness. Marked by his glory. Marked by his favor. We, oh, wow, the favor of God is on you. Look at how you're blessed. Yes, I'm marked. <laughs> and, and I didn't realize why he left the blast part blank. He just said marked. And then I was watching a sermon online from a, uh, some friends of mine, some some younger ones that um, are, uh, let me just go back here, marked. Um, so these friends of ours have a little church downtown Vancouver that our daughter goes to, and it's uh, called Church Untitled. What kind of name is that? We don't have a title. They actually have a crown upside down. That's their logo, Church Untitled. And, um, and so anyway... Um, I was listening to them talk, and one of or the young, a young pastor who uh, I walk with was part of a, a local church in Vancouver, and they started experiencing the presence of God and words of knowledge and uh, casting out demons and healings, like healings, like over the top. And that particular church didn't believe in healings, and so the board of elders, it's funny how you don't believe in healing until you need a healing. But the, the particular board of elders said, you know, you're telling too many stories. We really don't want that. We want you to stick to the word of God. And so they fired him. 
And I started walking with him and sharing life and, and doing things. He's like 38 years old, um, not very young, younger than I. <laughs> right, Heather? <laughs> younger than us. Uh, and anyway, so they were praying for him on a Sunday morning. Now that he's no longer pastoring this church, and uh, the, the, the two young pastors, one's 32 and one's 38, the younger pastor said, um, I'm going to, I just want to call them up as family. We're going to pray for them. They're walking into the unknown, and we just want to bless them. But he said this about this young man and his wife. He said, there's no one I would rather do work with side by side than someone who has given their whole life over to the obedience of Christ that is willing to follow even though it's hard. That they're marked by the nature of God and they're obedient and in harmony only with God's nature. And then he said, because the war is over God's nature. Like that fellow, that pastor kept going in the way that God was leading him and it got him fired. But it wasn't, oh, I got fired. It was, he's leading me and I must follow. There's a difference. He didn't first, you know how we say, you know, you need to count the cost. He was so caught up in, in God's presence and the daily awareness of his presence and that when he was healing people, he felt Jesus standing next to him like you were saying, Sean, this is a dream come true, James. We're doing this together. He was so caught up in that that he didn't go, oh, I could lose my job and then... How am I going to feed my family? All he knew was, this is the way. There is no other way. Marked by his nature. Marked by his nature. Imagine Jesus doing that in a garden. Imagine, what, what did Jesus pray in the garden? Dad, is there another way? That's the power of love. The, the relationship that Jesus had with the Father gave him the ability to go beyond himself into the joy of the Lord, of the Father. We face things, when we may, they're, they're tough. But Jesus wrote, you know, when Jesus wrote John 14, 15, and 16, you know, about abide in my love, remain in my love. If you love me, it proves you're mine, and I want you to, to, to be just like me, and I want you to love. You know what he, you know what he says in, in John 16, verse 1? I've told you these things so that your faith may not fail. Oh, you told me to love and be immersed in your love because that's who you are? You told me that because hard days are going to come, not easier days. Hard days are going to come. And if I'm not grounded deeply in your love and your affection, I'm not going to survive hard times. That's a powerful thing. That's a very powerful thing. So, let's tell, tell you a couple of stories about me. We have a national gathering uh, every year and with our minister's fellowship and and I always ask the Father for a theme. 
And this year he gave me a theme, and the theme was the word more. Now when you hear that word, what does that stir in you? Right? Expectation? Yeah. So I'm going more. Oh, God. And I was in prayer, and I, 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 Sylvia was helping her mom, and I thought, oh, I, I need to go for a walk. I'm stirred. God, I, I'm hungry for you. So I put my earbuds in, and I'm walking around our community, and I'm listening to a song that says, where you go, I go. What you say, I say. What you say, I say. I go, oh, God, I'm, I'm, I'm so hungry for more. I, I, I want more of you. I'm so hungry for more of you. And the Lord says, oh, by the way, that's not your hunger you're feeling. I'm allowing you to sense my hunger for you. I want more. <gasps> you are so hungry. I can't believe how hungry you are. You're way hungrier than me. Oh, you're hungry for an hour. All I did was walk around the block going, you're hungry. You're really hungry. I want to satisfy your hunger. I want, I, I, you're hungry. You're hungry. And I felt seized by God that he was coming to me with, with something greater than that I desired, something greater than I thought would be great. Steve, I'm hungry for you. I want more of you. You know, when, when, when Peter, when he tells Peter, Peter, do you love me? Yeah, I love you, Lord. Feed my sheep. No, no, no. Peter, do you love me? Yeah, 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 yeah I do. Why is he saying that? Well, the persecution's going to come. If he's not grounded in his love, then he's not going to survive persecution. Right? I, if I'm not grounded in the Father's heart and his affection for me and his desire for me, I'm not going to last. It won't, my hunger for him alone isn't enough. Understanding his for me transforms me completely. Because Peter, you know, third time, Peter, do you love me? Oh, I do. Why do you keep asking me that? Feed my sheep. What he was saying was, Peter, are you all in? Do I have you? You know that place where Peter denies him in the, in the, by the fire and where Jesus is being persecuted and whipped and, and the, the rooster crows three times and Peter looks over and it's, the Bible says this, oh, it's like a dagger. Jesus' eye and Peter's eye catch. <gasps> and Peter weeps bitterly and runs out, feeling a failure. And I said, what was that? And the Lord goes, oh, well, let's, let me take you into what Peter was thinking when he was weeping behind a tree in the bush. I screwed up so bad. But he told me I would. He told me. So it's not about my behavior. Because you know what the prophecy was? Peter, Satan has come and desired to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. When you get up, go strengthen your brothers. That's a huge prophecy. Because the question is, when Peter denied him, did his faith fail? 
Well, if Jesus prayed that it wouldn't, did it? Like, does Jesus' prayer not work? So anyway, so Peter gets, realizes, oh, he loved me anyway, and he told me this would happen. But he didn't tell me I was done. Everything he told me was true, and the love that he has for me, I feel it. No matter how humiliating this is, I have to get up and go back to my brothers and face them and tell them the love he has for me, I have for you guys in this room. The love that the Father had for Jesus, Jesus had for Peter. Peter understood that, and the love that Jesus had for Peter, Peter could have for his brethren. It overcame his pride. Oh, how can I go how can I go back to them and tell them I screwed up and I lied and I denied him to his face? Can you imagine the humiliation? Maybe that's what humility is, recognizing this isn't about me. This is about his love for me, and that when that conquers me, I can live through any humiliation. That's a powerful thing. God, I want it right. So I'm walking around the, the thing, and I'm going, God, I have this huge hunger for you. And he, says, he, said, he said this, my hunger for you, Steve, is greater than your hunger for revival. I went, what? Isn't that what we want in the earth is revival? He goes, no, I want you. That's what you want. You want revival, but I want you. (gasps) And then he said this. He said, the church desires revival. I desire a bride. Oh. It's an amazing thing. And then he said this to me. He said, I want you to experience in this season, and I'm visiting the earth with this, my affection. We're entering into a season, an era, a time, where God is, we've been saying as a church for 70 years, God, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for a move. We're hungry for revival. And God is coming going, thank you. I love that. It was wonderful. But now I'm coming and I want to visit you. I'm hungry for you. And I'm going to visit you with my affection, my overwhelming affection. And he said this, and this is important, just so you can write it down and think about this. Um, Affection is not about alignment or agreement or even your assignment. It's does he have you? Everything will be predicated on encountering the Father's love and the fruit that his love produces. What did he say in John 15? You can do nothing. You can't produce fruit unless you abide in me and in my love. That's a powerful thing. I, so I need to be so, so aware of his love for me that my life produces fruit in keeping with love and actually looks like love because it looks like him. And how will I know that? Because I, I watch Jesus and the Father. So it's not about can I love or what does that look like? You know, sometimes when, when, we, when we deal with, with one another and we, you know, we want to love our enemies, we want a favorable response. That's not love. Jesus didn't look for a favorable response. The Bible didn't say he invested his life in us looking for a return. It says he emptied himself. 
what? There's something powerful that God is doing and visiting in this season. I'm listening to different leaders across the world talk about things, and I, I'll say to Sylvia, I said, I said he's, he's saying the same verses. John 14, 15, 16 are huge in this, this season of life. You're going, really? He says, we've got to get that right. We've got to, like even John 15, 9, is the, where Jesus said, the way that the Father loves me, I loved you. He says, that's where we have to sit for the next while and get that right. Does he have you? Um, I remember, um, I'll, I'll just talk about this for a minute, but affection is greater than agreement or alignment or, or even our assignment. You know, when I was dating Sylvia, well, first of all, I had a, <laughs> I said to her the other day, I said, yeah, God spoke to me when I saw you in church that day. And they, they'd been around for a while. And all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I'm part of the worship. And, and back in those days, you know, we, we had an orchestra and Sylvia was playing me in the orchestra. And I looked over and I heard, you know, I don't, I'm not saying this is how every, it should work for everybody, but this is how it happened for me. You're going you're to marry that girl. And I went, oh, I don't want to screw this up. Like, I wasn't the I'm going to screw this up kind of guy. I was leading a, a world-class ministry at that time. We were somebody. And I went, oh, no, I feel undone. I can't do this. I'm going to screw this up. Oh, what can I do? Oh, I'm so captivated. And then when we were engaged, you know, it was, we never, we never thought, how was this marriage thing going to work out? We were in love. We didn't try to make a plan. What's our strategy? What's our mission? What's our, you know, what's our, how's this going to be? We were, we were captivated. And we, what we had was an affection for one another. And God's, God's visiting, he's visiting the earth again where he's saying, you know, you guys have been really wonderful. You've been strategizing and planning and trying to win the lost and everything. But you've, you know, how in the book of Revelation it says, but you forgot your first love. You forgot what affection's all about. Says, thank you for all of that, but I'm hungry for you. It's an amazing thing. I, I said, I said to Sylvia, you know, um, please say yes. <laughs> I couldn't imagine her not, like I didn't want her not to say yes. And that's how the Father comes in the earth. Please say yes. Please. Like I did everything I could to get her affection. She was the only girl that worked at the bank that got flowers regularly at the bank. Well, because I'm going, this is everything. See, Jesus, we sang about that. He's good. Like he's, he does everything to, to woo us and to, and to say, you know, I really long for you. I'm not looking for you so that I can give you a gift and then use you for my purposes. I want you. This is my dream. We get all caught up in doing the work. The work is way more important. Are we accomplishing the work? God goes, well, if you don't love, you're not accomplishing the work. Because the work is love. I go, oh. I have to tell you this story. I was in um, Medicine Hat, Alberta. A couple of months ago, it was. 
And I was at an Airbnb and I was there, um, not by the invitation of a church to come and speak, even though I did do that. Um, and they didn't have a clock on the wall either. But, so, but, but I'm going to... Yeah. But I, I just... So... But the reason I was there was I had a dream, um, for a, a dream where God spoke to me in a dream, like a, through visual things in this dream, where he wanted to visit an organization that has a, a base uh, in Medicine Hat, uh, a hub in Medicine Hat. And the Lord said that um, he wanted to revisit them with, uh, and revisit their foundation with the Father heart of God. Isn't that wonderful? That's the most important thing for God. Um, anyway, so I'm in this Airbnb, and I'm, it's Saturday morning now. I'm, I went to bed Saturday night, and God woke me up at like 3 a.m., and I went, oh. And he goes, yeah, there's a book in the nightstand I want you to pull out and read, and read the first chapter. So I went, oh, okay. So pull it out, and it's the reading the first chapter and as I'm reading the first chapter, we find that Marilla and Matthew, this brother and sister, have a farm. And they're getting older, and on the farm they're going, how do we sustain what we have? How do we keep it going? And so they decide to themselves, we're going to do something that some of the other families have done. We're going to go to the orphanage and get a boy Man, we kind of figure about 10, 11 years old, young enough that we can still train, but strong enough to, that they can still do work on the farm. So Matthew gets on the buckboard and heads down to the orphanage, and the whole community is going, what are you doing? Where are you going? He says, well, you know, we're, we're going to the orphanage to get a boy because we need to sustain what we're doing, the work. And he gets down to the train station and the guy says hi Matthew how are you he says oh good he says what are you here for I'm here to get a boy oh well there's no boy here there's a girl well we didn't come for a girl we came for a boy what we want is a boy what we need is a boy well you got a girl so he puts the girl you know Anne and not just any girl Anne with an E E stands for attitude right and with an e with red hair and she gets on the buckboard and matthew takes her back and she's just enthralled by the beauty of the landscape like when you read that book if you if you read it or whatever she's just she's just happy to be there and she gets back home and and marilla goes what's this we wanted a boy we got a girl we don't want a girl we're going to have to send her back. And I'm reading this, and the Holy Spirit says to me, the church is trying to figure out how to sustain itself, and it thinks it knows what it wants. It wants a boy. I'm going to come in this season and give it a girl with attitude. See, Anne was the Holy Spirit. What happened was they thought they needed a boy to sustain things. They got a girl that answered the deepest need of their heart. It wasn't about keeping the work going. It was what was happening in their heart. 
And he said, I'm visiting the earth in this season with my affection. The church has for a long time stewarded itself and done a good job. But I'm coming. I want more of her. I'm visiting the earth with my affection. And everything that we do and say from this point on, we want to grid through the affection of God and John 15 and 1 John 4. Like John had a revelation. You know the book of Revelation? We all want that to be about, tell us the end times, what it's going to look like, how we're going to sustain our life. It's actually the revelation of Jesus. It makes him look beautiful. No, no, no. We want to know how, how, to, how to work this life. And God's going, you're so caught up in yourself. Your life is but a moment of eternity. I'm coming and I'm visiting you with my affection. Ever since that's happened to me, I've been so gripped by that. I, everything I, I read and I study and I pray and I'm worshiping, everything has now been... It's almost like the great eye of God has like turned me toward his affection. And I, I'm not the same anymore. I've encountered, you know, the Quakers used to say it this way. I've been seized by the power of a great affection. And I've been seized by that. Like I stand in awe of him. Like when, when, when you understand and know and have encountered the great love of God, our little piddly things with one another don't mean a thing. They go away. They go away. Why? Because the great love of God. And I just need to share this really quickly with you, and I'll just leave it in a seed form. But Romans chapter 14 and verse 7 tells us about the kingdom of God. And it's a classic verse that we read all the time, and it says, the kingdom of God is not eat or drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Remember that verse? Everybody know that? Anybody know that verse? Romans 14, verse 7. And it says, understanding about the kingdom, because they were worried about what was right and wrong. Well, I can eat this meat, you can eat that meat. I'm not allowed to eat this meat. We're not allowed to celebrate. In this festival, what's right, what's wrong? It's almost like the Samaritan woman when she met Jesus by the well and she said, your rulers say we're supposed to worship here, ours say here, which is right and which is wrong. And he goes, oh, it's not about right and wrong. It's about life. And you know where he got that thought from? Back in Genesis in the garden, there were two trees. One said, the tree, Jesus said, do not eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right and wrong you will surely die. How many of us have our Christian life based on what's right, what's wrong, what to do, what not to do, how to do it, how not to do it? And then we have all these disagreements. You know, like unity, we've, we've, have, we've got a billion, a bazillion books on unity. We've got teachings on unity. Are we any more unified? More divided. Why? Because it's been about us, not him. And he's visiting the earth with himself, saying, like Sean says, oh, this is, my, this is my dream. We're worshiping together. We're worshiping the Father together. Can you imagine if that was the result of unity? Not, oh, my, you, you believe in infant baptism and we believe in full immersion, so I'm just going to stand over here. But it's, oh, we're worshiping him, the Father. 
you've been encountered and been seized by the great affection of God? What is the fruit of that in our life? So, so Colossians tells us this, that we have salvation is all about being um, taken from the dominion of darkness. See you, bro. It's a good day for a graveside. You know what graves remind us of? Life is temporal. He's eternal. He's going to go pray eternal words to a family that says, can you come? Are you kidding me? Oh, you know, well, they don't believe the way we do. And you know, they're, what if, they haven't been seized. You want to be seized. By great affection, the love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. Colossians says we've been delivered from the dominion of darkness and brought into the kingdom of his son. That tells us that the king is a father because it's the kingdom of a son. Not the kingdom of servants, but kingdom of a son. So that means that the king is a father. And the father has affection for his son and lives that out through the son. And the son comes to the earth and shows us what his relationship of love is like with his dad and says, go and do likewise. Oh. And Jesus said this in in John 5. He says, I only do what the father tells me to do. I only say what he tells me to say. Can you imagine if we actually were so seized by the love of God that that's how we actually lived? I'm so grateful for the, for the loving kindness of God. The love that he has, he's shone abroad, First John tells us that even though this love has been brought to us and it's transforming us, we still aren't there yet, but one day we will be like him. That's a glorious promise. The kingdom of his son. You know, we just had an election. And <clears throat> oftentimes when elections happen, common result, well, we didn't get who we wanted. And you go, the king's heart is in the hand of God. Well, but I have attitudes. I have, Id- Ooh, I have ideas about that. I meant I have attitude about that. <laughs> but the thing about God's government is it's so different than our government. And he always wants to remind us. I mean, I was elected here in town. I know what that's like. I, I remember I didn't want to be elected. And God said, but I want the seat. It's not about you. Are you all in? And if it wasn't for his great love for me, there's no way in heaven I would have done that. But it was about him and what he wanted. It's the same thing when, when, when we understand the kingdom of a father and a son, we recognize that he's calling the world to come. They're orphans and they need to be brought back into a family. And what's the hallmark of the family? Love and affection. Oh, can you imagine if every church was the house of affection? What orphan wouldn't want to come home? We love you. And our love for you will transform you. Well, no, there's rules. Like when you read, when you read 
Anne of Green Gables, Marilla had rules. And, and she's getting ready to take Anne away because it doesn't fit what they want. And as they're on the buckboard, I was reading this last night, as they're on the buckboard heading back and, you know, to take her away, um, she says to Anne, so tell me about your life. Oh, nobody ever wanted me. And I went from this place to this place. And I went the orphanage when this place didn't want me because I wasn't, I wasn't you know, I was a little bit unruly, you know, because she had a mind of her own. Um, how many have kids that have a mind of their own? And, and, and she said, he said, and the orphanage didn't even want me because they were too full. And it says this in the story, it caught my heart. Marilla, Marilla had pity on her and went, she's never been loved or known love. And here was the interesting thing. In spite of that, Anne said, you know, it was like Anne, you know, she says, I'm not thinking about where the buckboard is taking me. I'm just going to take in the beauty of where we are on the buckboard, headed there, because I don't know what's going to happen. And you realize she had something in her spirit that Marilla and Matthew needed to answer the depth and cry of their heart. And God is coming to visit the body of Christ with an affection that is something we have never experienced. We've experienced some, but there is so much greater. God is looking for so much more of us, not more to do for him, but more affection. Affection is going to be the hallmark. Everything will, when you read the scripture through the great affection of God, it will change how you interpret and read the scriptures. I guarantee you, it has for me. There's something about that. Jesus in, in and I'll just end with this, uh, in John 16, after he finishes his great discord on I'm the vine, you are the branches, love, 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 abide, have a continual daily awareness of my presence and that you are held. That's what abide means. It's not about how well you do life or how well you do the work or how well others do it around you. It's that you are constantly in this place of affection with him that no matter what comes, you're okay. That's a powerful place to be because Jesus said in John 16, I've told you these things. And it's an amazing word that he uses so that your faith wouldn't fail. The word is actually is you, your heart won't get offended, get scandalized by the enemy. You know, offense and bitterness and unforgiveness, that's all being scandalized. We've been scandalized and we have to go, no, I don't want to be scandalized. I have one who loves me. I'm continually in his presence, and he holds me, and I'm his. Therefore, I'm not going to be scandalized. Because that's where it says, you know, one translation says that your faith will fail. Faith is believing that my father is good and that he loves me and that I can love and be just like him. That's an amazing thing. The kingdom of God. You know, it says this, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Romans says that. Uh, Romans 14. Righteousness isn't right behavior. We think that. It's, am I like my dad? Am I like him? Am I 
the right kind of son and daughter. You know that the battle we, we have over, you know, we mentioned it, Soji and all these kinds. God created male and female in his likeness. And so it's all about his nature and we are the same kind of individuals as God. So anything to tear apart God's nature, that you can be anything you want rather than no. This is not a war on the, on the earth. This is a war against the Father. And so the only way to battle that war is to be more like my Father. Not battle the world. Our battle isn't against flesh and blood. It's, I, the more we're like our Father, the more the world will know that Jesus came from the Father. That's what it says. We didn't make that up. I, just, I challenge leaders and churches all over, please be biblical. Don't make up something. Don't comment, have commentary on what fits your idea of what's right and wrong. Because the wrong tree will lead to death. Is what you're doing, does it produce life in him? And that's what love does. But, but So I've been everywhere I've going. I wake up in the morning and I go, God, I, you're brooding, you're creating the earth, you're visiting the earth. You know, we had the queen die. You know how long she was in power? 70 years. And you know why she was the queen? Because the king wasn't there. And then I felt the father say, you know, the church has been stewarding and doing a great work for a long time, for 70 years. But now I, I, I'm returning and I want to bring my affection to you. And when you're seized by my affection, you won't even think about forgiving. It'll just be who you are. You're a forgiving person. You're a loving person. You're a gracious person. You're a kind person. Let's stand. I had a million more things I wanted to share. So here's the great promise of God. The Holy Spirit will teach you. Right? The Holy Spirit will teach you. He's, he's our... He's our guide, our comforter. You know, here's a little thing. I'll just leave you with this. God is love. God is spirit. So the equation is spirit is love. So if you want the move of the spirit, pursue love. And you'll get, you'll get the gifts of the spirit will be done through love. It'll be beautiful. It won't cause confusion. It'll bring beauty. It'll bring order to our chaos. It's a beautiful thing. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, dividing between our soul and our flesh. You're going to find in this season of life where God visits you by affection. You know, there's a division among people, which is all about agreement, alignment. Do we get along? God goes, please stop that. I'm going to come with my word and my affection and my love and I'm going to bring, because really, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And you know what it says the Word does? It divides us personally. It divides the flesh that's in me away from the Spirit of God in me, where I become more like Him every day. So the, if you're experiencing pain in any way, oh, you're deeply cherished. There's more grace than you know. He's coming with His sword, and He's cutting away your flesh. No, no, no we don't want that. We want this, love. Oh, this is my story. This is my song. That's how I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. So the Father's going to be visiting us all in the earth with his great affection. Watch for it.
Be mindful of it. Because he's going to come to you and he's going to say, are you mine? I want you to fulfill my dream. I want you to stand next to me. You know what? When it says that Jesus, the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Jesus marries the bride, who's the father? God. Like when we take our daughter, Lindsay, down the aisle, when I took her down the aisle to her husband, can you imagine the father being that joyful of preparing us for this marriage supper of the Lamb? It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit has taken something. Father, I ask by your presence and your heart and your spirit that you would take something of this offering of my life and, and who you are to me, that you would give this to my friends. Father, that you would visit them the way you visit me. That, Lord, whatever you've rec- I've received from you of your affection and your love and the overwhelming nature that you have seized me with in this time in the earth, that you would give that to my friends. Lord, you said you would. And so, Father, I ask for an abundance of that, an abundance of a visitation of your, your heart and your presence and your nature and your grace. Lord, that you're visiting the earth with a great affection. Lord, that you would, we would see that evident everywhere. Lord, the fruit of our love would, look at how they love one another. Look at, because they love me. Look at how they love me. Oh, Father, we ask for that, and I ask for that, that you would empty me completely, just like you emptied yourself, and give whatever you've given me to my friends. I ask that now in Jesus' name, and that you would come and seal that with your spirit in their lives, in their daily walk, in their daily devotion, in their daily work, Lord, that you would visit them and they would sense a great brooding of your spirit and they wouldn't know what's coming upon them. They would just sense it's, it's happened and it's coming. We just ask for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 I guess I'm closing or are you closing? Who's? Oh, are you coming? Are you going to do another song? Sure. Come and sing wants prayer after, I'm here to do that too. It'll be fun. Oh.